stood much higher than Sarah Ann Binson. They were both old schoolmates and friends of Temperance Dent, who had asked them one day, not long before she died, if they would not come together and look after the house and manage everything when she was gone. She may have had some hope that they might become closer friends in this period of intimate partnership, and that the richer woman might better understand the burdens of the poorer. They had not kept the house the night before. They were too weary with their care of their old friend, whom they had not left until it was all over. There was a brook which ran down the hillside very near the house, and the sound of it was much louder than usual. When there was silence in the kitchen, the busy stream had a strange insistence in its wild voice, as if it tried to make the watchers understand something that related to the past. I declare, I can't begin to sorrow for Tempe yet. I am so glad to have her at rest, whispered Mrs. Crow. It is strange to sit here without her, but I can't make it clear that she is gone. I feel as if she had got easy and dropped off to sleep, and I'm more scared about waking her up than knowing any other feeling. Yes, said Sarah Ann. It's just like that, ain't it? But I tell you, we are going to miss her worse than we expect. She's helped me through with many a trial as temperance. I ain't the only one who says the same, neither. These words were spoken as if they were a third person listening, somebody beside Mrs. Crow. The watchers could not rid their minds of the feeling that they were being watched themselves. The spring wind whistled in the window crack now and then, and buffeted the little house in a gusty way that had a sort of companionable effect. Yet, on the whole, it was a very still night, and the watchers spoke in a half-whisper. She was the freest-handed woman that ever I knew, said Mrs. Crow decidedly. According to her means, she gave away more than anybody. I used to tell it weren't right. I used really to be afraid that she went without too much, for we have a duty to ourselves. Sister Binson looked up in a half-amused, unconscious way, and then recollected herself. Mrs. Crow met her look with a serious face. It ain't so easy for me to give as it is for some, she said simply, but with an effort which was made possible only by the occasion. I should like to say, while Tempe is laying here yet in her own house, that she has been a constant lesson to me. Folks are too kind and shame me with thanks for what I do. I ain't such a generous woman as poor Tempe was, for all she had nothing to do with, as one may say. Sarah Binson was much moved at this confession, and was even pained and touched by the unexpected humility. You have a good many calls on you, she began, and then left her kind little compliment half-finished. Yes, yes, but I've got means enough. 
My disposition's more of a cross to me as I grow older. And I made up my mind this morning that Tempe's example should be my pattern henceforth. She began to knit faster than ever. Tain't no use to get morbid. That's what Tempe used to say herself, said Sarah Ann, after a minute's silence. Ain't it strange to say used to say? And her own voice choked a little. She never did like to hear folks get going about themselves. It was only because they're apt to do it so as other folks say it was not so and praise them up, humbly replied to Mrs. Crow. And that ain't my object. There weren't a child but what Tempe set herself to work to see what she could do to please it. One time, my brother's folks had been stopping here in the summer from Massachusetts. The children was all little, and they broke up a sight of toys and left them when they were going away. Tempe come right up after they drove by to see if she couldn't help me set the house to rights, and she caught me just as I was going to fling some of the clutter into the stove. I was kind of tired out starting off in the season. Oh, give me them, says she, real pleading. And she rocked them up and took them home with her when she went. And she mended them and stuck them together and made some young one or other happy with every blessed one. You'd thought I'd done her the biggest favor. No thanks to me. I should have burnt them, Tempe, says I. Some of them came to our house, I know, said Miss Pinson. She'd take a lot of trouble to please a child, instead of shoving it out of the way like the rest of us when we drove. I can tell you the biggest thing she ever gave. And I don't know there's anybody left but me to tell it. I don't want it forgot, Sarah Benson went on, looking up at the clock to see how the night was going. It was that pretty-looking Trevor girl who taught the corner school and married so well afterward out in New York State. You remember her, I dare say. Certain, said Mrs. Crow with an air of interest. She was a splendid scholar, folks said, and give the school a great start. But she'd overdone herself getting her education and working to pay for it, and she all broke down one spring, and Tempe made her come and stop with her a while. You remember that? Well, she had an uncle, her mother's brother out in Chicago, who was well off and friendly and used to write to Lizzie Trevor. And... I dare say make her some presents, but he was a lively driving man and didn't take time to stop and think about his folks. He hadn't seen her since she was a little girl. Poor Lizzie was so pale and weakly that she just got through the term of school. She looked as if she was just going straight off in a decline. Tempe, she cosseted her up a while, and then... Next thing folks knew, she was telling round how Miss Trevor had gone to see her uncle and meant to visit Niagara Falls on the way and stop overnight. Now, I happen to know, in ways I won't dwell on to explain, that the poor girl was in debt for her schooling when she come here. And her last quarter's pay had just squared it off at last, and left her without a cent ahead hardly. But it had fretted her, thinking of it, so she paid it all. They might have dunned her that she owed it to, 
and I taxed Timothy about the girls going off on such a journey till she owned up, rather than have Lizzie blamed, that she'd given her sixty dollars, same as if she was rolling in riches, and sent her off to have a good rest and vacation. Sixty dollars, exclaimed Mrs. Crow. Tempe only had ninety dollars a year that came into her. Rest of her living she got by helping about with what she raised off this piece of ground. Sand one side, clay the other. And how often I've heard her tell years ago that she'd rather see Niagara than any other sight in the world. The women looked at each other in silence. The magnitude of the generous sacrifice was almost too great for their comprehension. She was just poor enough to do that, declared Mrs. Crow at last, in an abandonment of feeling. Say what you may, I feel humbled to the dust. And her companion ventured to say nothing. She never had given away sixty dollars at once, but it was simply because she never had to give. It came to her very lips to say in explanation, Tempe was so situated. But she checked herself in time, for she would not break in upon her own loyal guarding of her dependent household. Folks say a great deal of generosity, and this one's being public-spirited, and that one free-handed about given, said Mrs. Crow, who was a little nervous in the silence. I suppose we can't tell the sorrow.